Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Share death experience. And the difference is in a near-death experience, most of the time, people have physical trauma and it's so bad that their body dies. And as a result, our non-physical body lifts out of our physical body It has an adventure in the non-physical world, and then the physical body is revived, and, you know, uh, the non-physical body then re-enters that experience. Now, with a shared death experience, um, it is similar, except the person who's experiencing it, say me, um, there's no physical trauma. I'm more than likely they're sitting bedside with somebody who's making a transition or they're asleep or they're sitting quietly at home somewhere. So there's, there's nothing that's going on with the experiencer. And then somebody they care deeply about um, is making their final transition. So they are actually going through a death experience. So when that person is leaving their body for the last time, There's an invitation sent to, say, me, and then I leave my physical body and accompany the person in their transition experience. So it's an actual death experience that somebody else gets to participate in. Um, In a shared death experience, um, you go as far as you are invited or allowed. Right. And it could be you can participate with them in in almost all of the of the steps, except, of course, the very final one, (laughs) in which case, you know, you'd be you'd be staying also. But no, um, um, in my case, which we'll talk about in a little bit, um, it was, uh, you know, just the opening parts of a of the transition experience. But I've talked to people who who you know been at the reunion who have participated in meeting with divine beings and having a life review and accompanying people to the healing and regeneration center um and uh, you know the hall of doors that i mean all of the things that are available to near death experiencers are available to share death experiencers but to your point most of the time it's just those opening opening stages um and that's what you read about mostly but there are other people who have participated in uh, a full-blown experience it happened in 1981 i was in love with a beautiful woman her name is mary fran and she and her son nolan who just turned seven um, had spent a day out sailing on lake washington which is in southern minnesota and on the way home 
Um, she attempted to uh, make a left-hand turn onto a county road, um, looked into the setting sun and didn't see an uh, oncoming car. It um, That car hit her right in the driver's side door and killed Mary Fran instantly. And Nolan had a um, really serious head wound and they wound up taking him to um, Mayo in Rochester, Minnesota. So he had some of the best care in the world. Thank you, Mayo. They really did a lovely job with him. And there um, he took six days to make his final transition. That's important because Mary Fran was one of nine children. And so in the intervening time between uh, uh, the car accident and when Nolan left his physical body for the last time, um, there was a chance for all of these relatives to show up. So, um, I mean, we're talking brothers and sisters and uncle and aunts and grandparents and friends, um, other kind of cousins, family members, and that's just on her side. And then we got all of my side of the family was there too. And it just meant there were a lot of people that had taken over the waiting room um, as it um, as we waited through that 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 final period. Um, during that six days, uh, because there were so many of us, what we did is we divvied the time up into two hour slots, and we went into and were with Nolan and. Um, my particular slot happened to be from three in the morning till five in the morning on the on the sixth day after the accident. So it was I was there with um, Mary Fran's older sister Janie, and the two of us spent time with Nolan. We we read him stories. We told him about who was there and what was going on. Um, when you have that many people, it becomes really quite funny. I mean, the waiting room was just packed with people. And um, that <laughs> the evening before, the young man in the group had gone foraging for, for uh, cushions that they swiped from every couch <laughs> they could find in the Mayo Clinic and brought him into the waiting room. And they were sleeping on the floors and on the on the chairs. It was just this this wild, you know, mix of people trying to get comfortable while they were holding vigil for for Nolan. Well, it got to be about four forty five in the morning, about fifteen minutes before the end of our shift was up. And Janie, who was a trained nurse, um, went down to take a look at his chart. And she was looking at his chart and then was looking at the monitors that were surrounding his bed. And um, she just shook her head at me and held out her hand and said, Scott, it's it's time. So we grabbed a couple of chairs and we sat by Nolan's head and we um, we said our goodbyes, which meant that we had a chance to tell him that he had been a very brave young man and that he had been fighting for six days um, to stay with us all 
and to be with us. Um, but it was clear that his body was giving out. And so um, Jenny said to him that um, if his mother should come to pick him up, remember she died six days before at the scene of the accident, um, that if Mary Fran was coming to pick him up, that it was okay for Nolan to go with her and that that would be a good thing. And he shouldn't feel guilty because he had been such a, a, a brave and tenacious boy trying to stay with us. But if Mary Fran came, he should go. And we expressed our love for each other and then we left. Got to be five o'clock and we and we left. Well, it wasn't more than 45 minutes later when the the nurse on the floor came in and woke us all up in uh in the waiting room and all of these people filed into um nolan's hospital room and that's important because for whatever reason i wound up being at the tail end of this group so when i walked in it was already about four people deep uh around surrounding the bed as there were so many of us and so i wound up just sitting on the window ledge next to mary fran's youngest brother willie and and there we just waited and you know when you're holding vigil it's um at least in nolan's case it was a very gentle process that his um his heart was just slowing down and the beats were becoming less and less vibrant until it just flatlined and there's that ominous tone that happened. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And when Nolan flatlined, what I witnessed was Mary Fran coming across the veil and scooping up Nolan out of his physical body. And they had this extraordinary reunion, as you could only imagine, between a mother and child. And somehow I got to participate in that. I mean, I'm just sitting there on the window ledge, but yet I I am there and feeling the emotional exchange between the two of them. And then to my surprise, what happened was then the two of them turned to me and they embraced me and then the three of us went to the light and once in the light it was extraordinary alex it was this exquisite place where you realize instantly that um that the universe is love and that you are entering into this this place of profound love and acceptance. There's um, no judgment, but rather you begin to realize that you are an integral part of the love of the universe. And then the three of us, Mary, Fran, Nolan, and I, had a chance to say our goodbyes. And we got to express our love for one another. We um, got to um, 
say how much we cared for each other. And then we had a chance just to be with one another as in this really extraordinary place. And then at some point, it felt like it was finished. And the two of them then turned and left and, and went further into the light. And I came back into my physical body. So what happened was that I was with Mary Fran and Nolan in the light. And yet in my physical body, and I remember I'm sitting on a windowsill and right next to me here is Willie. I mean, we're touching shoulders. And I am also fully present in the room. So I have now this split consciousness where I am with Mary Fran and Nolan and I am in the room. Um, I didn't have a word for it then. It took a long time for me to find it. Um, I call it bilocation. That's as, that's as good a word as I can find. Got it. I had two distinctly separate, fully functioning consciousnesses. And I know this because I'm experiencing this incredible space, this area of love that um, is first witnessed by me um, when Nolan gets picked up by his mother. And then when I'm in the um, in the light with them, that it's like the love of the universe is inside me and it's trying to break out. And my face was this expression of joy, of ecstasy, of um, acceptance. It was, it was totally inappropriate for the room. And right. so the only thing that I could think of to do was to take and cover my face with my hands. Because if anybody had looked at me, I am positive that they wouldn't have understood what was going on and that my mm -hmm. reaction was totally inappropriate for the room. Because remember, they had just lost their nephew, their cousin, their friend, you right. know, their friend, whatever. And, you know, this is the second loss in six days with Mary Fran and then now Nolan. And, you know, there's a room filled with grieving people that are hugging each other and looking for um, consolation in each other's presence. And I, I couldn't do that right then. So I had, you know, my hands over my face. And then when my physical body, I'm sorry, my non-physical body came back to my physical body, I could regain my composure. I could take my hands down and I could be with the other grieving relatives in the room. So I was, the short answer to your question was, I was fully present in the room. So the, the work of William Peters um, and the work that I've done with near-death and shared-death experiencers, we, we know something about that, that transition. Um, we know that there has to be a heart connection between the individual who's going to have a shared-death experience, me, and the person who's making the transition. In this case, that was Nolan. And 
you know, just kind of as a side note, um, uh, Mary Fran was a single mom. The birth father had uh, disavowed any knowledge of his actions mm-hmm. and so was never uh, present in their lives. And so as a result, Mary Fran chose not to tell Nolan who his biological father was. And so when I came along and we are developing this this nice relationship, Mary Fran and I, and I'm starting to begin to bond with Nolan, um, there was, you know, I'm I'm a surrogate dad. And and as a result, um we had we had a really special connection and when he left his physical body i you know he sent out that invitation he invited me to come along now it wasn't in words it just it just happened and but that seems to be a critical part of of what is necessary for a shared death experience i had to be in a receptive state and I'd had about 45 minutes of watching, you know, the heart monitor. And, you know, there's not a lot to do there. So you're kind of meditating, almost in a meditative you're, state. You're in a meditative state, just watching this heart monitor and wondering when it's going to go silent. Well, what we know about near-death experiencers and shared death experiencers is that it changes everything. Um in an instant, what I discovered was how I thought the world worked didn't. I mean, it was entirely different than something else, you know, what I grew up with. I mean, the lexicon of the Presbyterian Church just doesn't cover things like bilocation and the moment that you're in your greatest grief, you are in your greatest joy, and the fact that you can, you know, be two places at, at once and and have conversations with uh, people that have made their transition, Mary Fran and Nolan, who is making his transition. You know, it's just so outside my experience that I really didn't know what to do with it. And so I didn't tell anybody for like 15 years. Um, it was wow. it was just that profound a change. But what did happen was. I knew that if I had done it once, I could do it again. Hmm. And it became part of who I am um, to go on this big exploration for how can I make that happen again? Because I really want to be able to touch that place again because it's extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And... I just knew that I could um, have a relationship with Mary Fran and Nolan, that that was available to me because it had happened once before. And so I wound up, um, you know, in the in the first decade or so after that, I traveled the world. I went to every well, not every, but a lot of the major um, spiritual sites, you know, like. Stonehenge and uh, uh, the Sphinx and the pyramids and the Oracle of Delphi and Machu Picchu and on and on, looking to see if, you know, in these terrific spiritual centers, is there a spark of energy there that could help propel me into that space again? 
Um, the answer is no. <laughs> and it was a, it was a terrific, it, it's a wonderful travelogue. And I met some really amazing people and I, you know, touched base with some ancient spiritual stuff, but it wasn't what I was looking for. And so then I started, you know, my meditation traditions. I started off with TM. I, um, um, I was lucky in that Mankato. There's a, a, a very active, um, the Metawakadan Sioux um, live in that area, the Dakota Indians. And mm -hmm. so I learned some some shamanistic things. I went to, uh, that's what I was doing in Peru, is doing a, a sh some shaman training. Um, and again, the idea was that I knew that there was. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Something, I had to be in the right state. Well, long story short, eventually I found the Monroe Institute that uses binaural beats to help you focus and hold expanded states of awareness. And it allowed me the time to learn what those states of awareness are. And it gave me the time in state so that I knew how to navigate the non-physical universe. And that opened up all, all the doors that I ever wanted in terms of, yes, I was able to touch that space again. Yes, I was able to reconnect with Mary Fran and Nolan and a whole bunch of other people that have made their transition. Well, one of the things that happens to people that have near-death experiences, either they have it or they're, they enter it into, into those states, through meditation, you can do either way, um, they're vibratory states. And so if you can figure out what the vibratory state is, you can enter into those states. And once there, you begin to realize that we live in a world of duality, where it's governed by the words either or, where, you know, Alex, you are you and I am me and, and we're essentially separate human beings. But in the non-physical state, that's not true. Absolutely. It is a, um, it's a state where everything is interconnected. And so it's run by the rules of both and, which means I am me, Alex, you are you. We have our individual consciousnesses and we are part of a whole, the whole of human consciousnesses, which means that any information that we desire is available to us because all information is interconnected. And so that's, you know, that's the premise for things like remote viewing. You know, it's like, how can we be in this place and see what's going on a thousand miles away or in another, on another planet or in another dimension or in another timeline? Um, yeah, I, it's, just it, just this last couple of weeks, I've, I've had some wonderful conversations with people who are training themselves to jump timelines. So, you know, they have a life. I have a life. You know, Scott Taylor here in in A, Universe A, but there's a Scott Taylor in Universe B. And you can, you can jump in and participate with that person. I like to think of us as... Um, beginning to understand that consciousness, loving consciousness, is fundamental and causative. It is 
the building block of the universe. There, everything arises out of consciousness. And there, um, time arises out of consciousness. Um, molecules and atoms, they arise out of consciousness. And that this loving consciousness is the, the fundamental building block of the universe. And so those of us that have chosen to come into uh, the land of duality um, are coming here because we are wanting to learn more about love and to expand our capacity to love as a as a being not only as a physical being but our non-physical being it uh, being in duality stretches us so that we have um, more awareness of our loving nature of the universe's loving nature and how to be um, expressions of that love here in the physical world I've been able to partner with Mind Valley to present you guys free master classes between 60 and 90 minutes covering mind, body, soul, relationships, and conscious entrepreneurship. Taught by spiritual masters, yogis, spiritual thought leaders, and best-selling authors. Just head over to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free.